friends, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, our readings this morning come from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 to 16, Psalm 80. The second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, and our gospel reading is from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Although he is no longer able to communicate with us daily in newspapers across the nation and the world as he once did, Charles Schultz, the genius behind the comic strip Peanuts, remains not only one of the funniest comics, but one of the deepest thinkers, most sensitive of human beings, and highly influential people in our sphere of the world. Featuring his best-known characters, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, Peanuts still appears in the Anchorage Daily News comic strip, and I daily look forward to reading about what my old friends are up to today. My favorite character amongst the Peanuts, Peanuts gang is Linus Van Pelt. Linus is the highly insecure younger brother to Lucy Van Pelt and older brother to Rerun. He's a middle child, in other words. He's thoughtful and respectful. Linus is often the voice of reason among his peers. A deep thinker and student of philosophy, Linus is the theological side of Charles Schultz's brain. Linus, my serious side, is the house intellectual, bright, well-informed, which I suppose may contribute to his feelings of insecurity, says Charles Schultz. Linus is most famous for answering the age-old question, <clears throat> What is Christmas all about anyway, Charlie Brown? <clears throat> to which Linus famously quotes from the Gospel of Luke on Prime T Time TV of all places. Linus said, For behold, I bring unto you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The difficulty with Advent is that with all these signs and wonders being talked about, all these obscure and puzzling quotes from the prophets, one needs a thorough geographical, historical, and theological education from which to understand what is being said, who is saying it, and then most importantly, why is this at all in, in any way, shape, or form important to me in my life in 2022? Take, for instance, once again our first reading from the prophet Isaiah this morning. If you found yourself asking questions like, <clears throat> uh, Ahaz who? Or a sign of what? Or why is this important? Don't feel like the Lone Ranger. It's a complicated story and one that needs some untangling to figure out. This morning, I'm going to take a few moments to untangle this mess for you, but like when you were a kid and your mom or dad or your uncle took you fishing and somehow your fishing line ended up looking like a bird's nest, it will take a few moments to untangle it. So hang in there with me, okay? I assure you it will be worth the journey. 
To begin with, to answer some of the who, what, or why questions, we need to begin with a reference point found in our Bibles from a book known as 2 Samuel, <clears throat> or more specifically, let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is one of these key texts in the Bible in which a thread of thought is woven into the fabric of the text. And then it literally runs through the remainder of the Bible all the way to the book of Revelation. It is in 2 Samuel chapter 7 we find one of the key who's in the Bible. That who is David. And this is the David who got into a rock-throwing fight with a giant named Goliath and David won. You may remember that. This is the David who was the singer, songwriter of many of the psalms which we sing together today. And most notably, one of his greatest hits is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is also the same man who becomes the second king of the united monarchy and valiantly and triumphly, triumphantly leads Judah, Jerusalem, and all of Israel in battle, which leads to a growing nation and the securing of its borders. Those are the good parts. This is also the same David of David and Bathsheba. You may have heard of, of that episode. This is also the same David who was the murderer of Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, and then he hid his shame and guilt for a couple of years while attempting to rule righteously on the throne of God. Those are not the so good parts. And so one of the more crucial parts in the era of King David appears to us now in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here's what happened. One morning David woke up and he looks around and his sees himself in his finely adorned mansion of a home and he looks out the window and he sees the tent that the Lord lives in and he says to himself, hmm, before the sun goes down today, I'm going to find a place to build a temple for the house of the Lord and then I'm going to build him a righteous place for, uh, for him to live. Now that's a loose paraphrase there. But the Lord says back to David, uh, Thank you very much, David. I appreciate the gesture. But wait a minute. There's a way too much blood on your hands to build me a temple. You can find and buy the land, but you will not build. However, your son will build me a temple on the ground you find. Now here comes the important part out of 2 Samuel 7. The Lord then turns the tables on David and the Lord essentially says, instead of you building me a house, David, I will build a house for you. Only that house is not a house made of sticks and bricks, but out of people. And a kingdom will rise from that group of folks that, I, that you will lead. Listen to what the Lord says to David. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish your kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, yet I will establish his kingdom. And then a few verses down, 
Your house and your kingdom, David, shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. That's a lofty promise from God to his creation in David. And here's the important thing to understand. God chooses to work through human beings, through people, through his very good creation to bring about God's kingdom. Now let's fast forward in the history of Israel here and then to take a a look at the book of Isaiah in today's reading. It starts out again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. And before we go any further, who is Ahaz, we must ask? Well, Ahaz is the king of Judah living in Jerusalem. In fact, he's living in the house that his great-great-great-great-grandfather David had built and lived in. Ahaz, you see, was in the line of David and sits now as the king. The promise made to David continues to live through the grandson king, Ahaz. But Ahaz is no David. And Ahaz has a heart and head of stone. All of 20 years old, when he takes on the mantle of king of Judah, Ahaz has little time or attention to pay to old religious wives' tales and myths. Ahaz is what we might call a practical atheist. Being the king of Judah, he willingly gives a head nod towards religion, not because he believes, but merely to placate the religious Jews of the day. In his heart, however, he has no room for the Lord. But Ahaz has a problem now on his hands. Jerusalem has become surrounded by her enemies from the north. Two armies, one from the country of Aram, the other from, of all places, Israel. And that should tell you how bad things had gotten. Two armies now surround Jerusalem, ready to plunder and then destroy the entire city, pillage the women, and kill all the men. It is at this point we pick up the story found in our reading from Isaiah this morning. The Lord makes an offer to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Now, how many times in your life when you are surrounded by enemies, totally at a loss, in great need, and you cry out to God, Hey, if you're up there, yoo-hoo, can you throw me a bone anyway? Show me some kind of sign that all will be well. But Ahaz seemingly takes the pious high road. And instead of asking for a sign from the Lord, he responds, I will not ask for a sign and I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahaz essentially laughs at Isaiah and says, Are you kidding me? Take that stuff out of here. Not to be deterred, the Lord says, Hear then, O house of David. Notice it is no longer Ahaz being addressed, but the entire house of David. And that house the Lord promised to build and establish forever. The Lord says, Is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Ahaz has gone and done it now. He's gotten the dander of the mighty one up. Too much for you to ask for a sign that I will save you, Ahaz? Now watch this. The Lord says, Look, 
The young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Hmm. Now, isn't that interesting? Even though the human Ahaz doesn't want to ensure the line of the house of David is secure, God, our God, is very interested in ensuring God's promises are kept. I hope you see the knots in that fishing line starting to come untangled. Now let's fast forward again in the history of Israel to the time of the gospel when, <clears throat> of Matthew when it was written. That begins, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. God chooses to use his very good creation in the saving of God's people. Mary and Joseph are betrothed to one another, and Matthew tells us that before they lived together, she, Mary, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, not so sure of this, decides to dismiss her quietly to save the family name, so to speak. And after finding his resolve to do this, Joseph finally is able to go, go to sleep. When an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says to Joseph, not to be afraid to marry Mary, for the child is from the Holy Spirit, and to name the baby Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's a pretty heavy dream. And then Matthew pulls up the thread from Isaiah for us to continue the story for us. Quoting, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hmm. Is that bird's nest almost free? Now one more knot to go. Fast forward again the story of the history of Israel and the church through the Apostle Paul and his writing to the Romans. Today's second reading, which we don't have time to address, through to right here, right now. Believe it or not, you and I, those who believe in the name of Jesus, we today become the sons and daughters of the kingdom of David, which became the kingdom of God through the power of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave over sin and death. Now that kingdom no longer has borders drawn on lines of ground, but stretches from east to west, north to south. That kingdom has no boundaries, but extends far and wide, and you and I are citizens of that kingdom. Yes, you and I are now in the line of David, fulfilling the promise of God to his very good creation to establish that kingdom forever and ever. Well, thanks for your patience while I unraveled the bird's nest in your fishing line. I hope that line is now free and you're ready to go out and catch some fish. So throw your line out on the other side of the boat this time and see what you're able to haul in. It is Advent anyway. So expect the best to come. Amen. Amen.